something I wanted to say. I, I, having received all your letters over the years, and, and, and I've spoken to many of you, and some of you have traveled, you know, hundreds of miles uh, to be here, I'd just like to say, get a life, will you, people? I mean, I mean, I, I, I mean for crying out loud, it's, it's just a TV show. I mean, look at you. Look at the way you're dressed. You, 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 you've turned an enjoyable little job that I did as a lark for a few years into a colossal waste of time. I mean, I mean how old are you people? What have you done with yourselves? You, you must be almost 30. Have you ever kissed a girl? I didn't think so. There's a, there's a whole world out there. When I was your age, I didn't watch television. I lived. So move out of your parents' basements. And get your own apartments and, and grow the hell up. I mean, it's just a TV show, Dan. It's just a TV show. Are, are you saying then that we should pay more attention to the movies? No, that's not what I'm saying at all. Hey, you guys are the... Lamest bunch. I mean, I've never seen. I can't believe these people. I mean, I, I really can't understand what they're saying. I mean, Radio Draw. Welcome to another very fantastic, pun intended, episode of Radio Drome. I am Josh Hadley. With me, even though he wasn't here last week, but almost as always, is Cecil T. Robit. Almost as always, yes. He was he was late on doing his work. He had a lot of homework to do last week. Peter will not be joining us tonight as he is bent over a toilet. He claims it's the flu, but Halloween was recently, so I have a feeling it's more of what flew out of his mouth than anything else. So Peter will not be with us this week. This week we will be looking at fandom and the insanity that comes with fandom. But before that, if you want to be a fan of this show and help this show out, you go <laughs> to Adam If you want to be bent over the toilet... You bend over the toilet in a different way from something that you get at adamandeve.com. You go there, you use the promo code DROME, and you will get 10 free gifts. You'll get six free DVDs, a free mystery gift, a gift for him, a gift for her, and free U.S. shipping for some item to either go up your butt, out of your butt, you to go in, something. You can. It's something that'll be a big fan for you. You'll be a big fan of. So the reason I wanted to talk about fandom is a couple of weeks ago, Cecil, they released the full Star Wars The Force Awakens trailer. And then just this week, the New York Times did a big expose called Star Wars Doesn't Belong to George Lucas, It Belongs to the Fans. And I think you know from my personality how much bullshit you think I found in this article. Yeah, it's it's really frustrating because I, I understand when you have something that uh, it, it kind of achieves. Uh, there are a lot of people that will say, once you... T- release something it's no longer yours and it's true and it's not true like i think that the version that you do release is kind of uh belongs to everybody but if you want to make changes to it you should always have the original version available but you should also have 
new version, you know, it shouldn't be met with so much hatred. Like the whole special edition Star Wars movies, while I am kind of a Puritan, I think that the Star Wars movies as they were made were the additions that, you know, should exist. I'm not against him doing the uh, special editions. It's just that don't give me that as the only option. Don't be like, well, because I did this, those versions don't exist anymore. Well, that's when it kind of gets a little like into a gray area. But I think that some people get a little too involved in their fan fandom and they don't seem to realize that it's like, look, without somebody like Lucas, Star Wars wouldn't exist at all. So if you're going to sit here and, and be like, you know, George Lucas sucks and he's terrible and all this and he shouldn't be allowed to make movies. Well, guess what? If he wasn't allowed to make movies, he would have never made this Star Wars in the first place and you wouldn't know who he is. So, like, I think that it's it's ridiculous that people get so up in arms about uh, the prequels when and, and completely dismiss him, despite the fact that he created this empire that people are still worshiping. It's like, look, you may not like those three movies, but he still is the guy that created these. Isn't there kind of a conceit with this whole Lucasfilm and Disney may own Star Wars, but it belongs to the fans? The gist of this article, now a lot of it does go into how George Lucas marketed and whatnot, so a lot of it is kind of an actual expose, but it also goes into the aspect of that since this belongs to the fans, the fans should be the ones who decide you know, how the cartoons are going to be and how the movies are going to be, and you should make these movies for the fans. And at that point, don't you then get fan service? Isn't that what the New York Times is basically advocating? That all Star Wars movies from now on, all Star Wars products, should be for the fans and not for maybe a general movie-going populace? Yes and no, uh, because I, I think that you should make the movie for the fans, because at this point, Christ, everybody's freaking into Star Wars. So uh, I think that if you're going to try to make it a general audience then it's not going to kind of pull people in as much because you're trying to you they would be over explaining things and it's like uh it's not necessary at this point so when they're talking about making it for the fans i think that's fine but don't talk but don't make it just fan service you know well here's this character here's this character except i I think that's exactly what they're doing like with including boba fett in these how jj abrams is outright boba fett survived the sarlacc because he's so popular that to me just reeks of fan service not the story really needed to go in this direction well boba fett did survive the sarlacc pit in one of the books he went down there and uh there was community of people that were living in there he because also survived in the comic books which was a totally different story but that's not the point i mean including him in the movie are you denying that it is straight up fan service to have boba fett in there he could uh it could very well be uh somebody else wearing the armor i mean there are uh, what was it there's another mandalore i mean because he's wearing the mandalorian armor so i mean there was another mandalorian guard who uh, was, I forget his name, but uh, who was fairly popular as well. Not as popular as Boba Fett, but again, popular in like the uh, the books and stuff. So, but I know they kind of said that um, the books aren't canon. They were like, the only thing that's canon is the uh, is the movies. 
So I I don't know. I mean, if they want to throw Boba Fett in there, fine. As long as it works. Like, don't shoehorn in characters just to have them in there. Then That's it's exactly get what out. Street Fighter the movie did. Yeah, but that was a lot of fun. <laughs> Except if, if you listen... If you listen to the commentary or read any of the articles, there was a great expose a couple of years ago, the highly detailed, about mm-hmm. everything that went wrong on Street Fighter the movie. The director and writer said, we had a pretty decent script that would have been a decent movie. But then new characters kept getting popular in the new games that they were releasing. So Capcom kept going, no, 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 now you have to have Cammy in it. Now you have to, this character's really popular right now. You have to put this character in it. Isn't that the definition of fan service on Street Fighter? You saw they were just shoehorning these characters in where they really had no point in the story. Well, the other thing, too, is a lot of the characters uh, that they did put in there didn't oh didn't always have a large part. Like some of them just kind of were there and were, were maybe uh, a little bit of um, uh, muscle, but uh, they didn't have like large parts. So I, I don't know. It's 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 kind of a mixed bag. What about like when when you try to do the opposite, when you make something like a sequel or a spinoff or something that's not for the fans? where you, you, you just say the fandom, no, you don't count. Like Star Trek Enterprise, or sorry, just Enterprise at first. UPN, you know, Voyager was, Deep Space Nine and Next Generation are off the air. Voyager is very quickly going down in the ratings. And so they realize that the Star Trek fan base is not enough to sustain a Star Trek show. They specifically created Enterprise, in their words, for people who don't watch Star Trek. That's why it wasn't even called Star Trek Enterprise until season three. It was just Enterprise. They made this Star Trek show for people who don't watch Star Trek. What is the logic of that? I I could see them trying to just do that as a way of expanding the appeal to make it uh, more enjoyable for people who maybe aren't into that sort of thing and make it more accessible. At the same time, they're alienating all of the Star Trek fans and not getting the mainstream audience. So, in essence, they made that show for nobody. They did a bad version of what the Star Trek reboot did successfully. They started over at, like, ground zero. And they were explaining things for a new audience, and they were doing things for a new audience. It, it was just—it it just so happens that you know J.J. Abrams is a really talented director, so he was able to make I'm it sorry, work. Sorry, I could—I couldn't see what you said. There was light in my eyes. Well, the thing is, honestly, I didn't like—I uh, kind of noticed the lens flares, but not nearly as much as uh, everybody else did, and made a huge deal out of it. So, okay, so he even admitted. He went overboard on the lens flares, but uh, it was a stylistic choice. Sure. You know, there are a lot of people that have done uh, stylistic choices in movies that uh, either turned out good or bad. Sometimes you don't know how they're going to turn out. Sometimes, like I said, you, you, you make decisions as a director. Things don't always work out. No, they don't. But but like like with Enterprise, like even leaving the Star Trek off of it for the first two seasons, who did you really think you were going to attract UPN? Because you know you're going to piss off all of the diehards who are going to check it out no matter what. But at the same time, Star Trek already has such a stigma around it, deserved or not, that you're not going to get college co-eds that are going to go, Oh, this show, this Enterprise show looks so promising. You need to make a Star Trek show for Star Trek fans. At this point, you can't make a Star Trek TV show for 
everybody. DC Comics did the same thing with the, the New 52 nonsense. They, they found that sales were stagnant. Not bad. They had just leveled off. Every month they were selling the same numbers of Batman and Superman and Aquaman and all that. So they said, essentially, we want to reboot the DC Universe, not for the people who are reading it, but for the people who aren't reading it. And what happened? Pissed off all the fans you already had in a vain attempt to get more. Now keep in mind, they were still making a profit. They just thought, we should be making a bigger profit. Isn't that hubris that bites the fans in the ass? Well, that's usually what happens is uh, with a lot of things. They're always trying to get the audience. They're going after the audience that they want to bring in because they think that the diehard fans are going to watch it regardless. So, like, that's why with the third Austin Powers movie, they were like, all right, well, we have to bring in Beyonce because we want to get a, a, you know, a black starlet in there to try to bring in like her because she has, you know, a monstrous audience. So they're thinking that they're going to bring in that because Austin Powers, primarily a lot of the people that were watching it, you know, I would say were probably not Beyonce fans. So this way it's like, I would, okay, say, well, I would say if they make a fourth one, they should have Taylor Swift play her character. She's the, the best Austin Powers uh, co-star of all time, of all time. To me, fandom is a weird thing. Now, we're going to be treading a little bit of a line here coming up. I think fandom goes too far sometimes. A lot of people would say, no, it doesn't. You can't go too far. Like, to me, you brony people, you're fucking nuts. You people are weird. Like, brown coats, you know, the Firefly fans, you people mm -hmm. are nuts. You Doctor Who fans, you take it way too seriously. And this is coming from a guy who's a huge Star Trek fan. I still don't consider myself a Trekkie, though. But to me, Star Wars fans are the worst. They are the absolute worst. Because, do you ever read the comic strip, Our Valued Customers? No. It had a brilliant one about the Force Awakens trailer. I'm going to quote it. It's just a nerd ranting. I'm excited to see the new Star Wars. I'm not excited for the nonstop criticism I'll get when I like it. Or don't like it. Or don't like it enough. Or don't not like it enough. You know what? Forget it. Now I don't even want to see it. <laughs> and that, but that's the audience, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, with, with, with Star Wars, you either are all in or you're all out there is no middle ground with star wars fans and they scare me sometimes with how hardcore these nerds are and i'm talking to a guy who dressed his son up as chewbacca for halloween <laughs> yes i did well it was it was a very like low budget chewbacca we just got a brown we had brown pants on him and uh, a chewbacca shirt because uh, the chewbacca costumes that they had for kids were really awful so but your son is also named after a Star Trek character. Yes. Want to establish what a fan you are. The the thing is, I am not going to put myself up on a pedestal. However, the the way that I feel as a fan, I am about the appropriate level of fan. Like some people go insane with fandom. And I mean, yes, my son is named after a Star Trek character. And yes, I do have a lot of stuff from various movies and props and all that kind of stuff. I collect stuff like you, you literally have stuff. Yeah, I actually stuff. I have stuff from the stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's what but I wanted to point out. I don't like attack people on certain things like like fandom gets really weird when it's like, hey, you know what? I like Revenge of the Sith. Oh my God! Did you need to watch this red letter media video that'll tell you exactly why you're wrong? Well, 
no, well, that video is very funny and I've seen it, but I still like Revenge of the Sith. Oh, I, I can't listen to you anymore. Well, fine then. You know, like what the what the f- do you want? It's it's silly. Okay, the ones I'm going to bring up, I think, are the over-the-tops. Now, I'd never heard this term before, but I'd encountered these people. Twihards, this super Twilight fangirls. You know, the ones that actually, like, camp outside of Robert Pattinson's hotel room and scream at him like, like he's Justin Bieber and stuff like that. To me, you're fucking nuts. That's crazy. Because uh, the thing is, if that was a bunch of guys camped out in front of Kristen Stewart's hotel room or something, the cops oh my God, would the cops be involved? Would there be uh, people getting fired? But like, yeah, the the Twihards, huh, yeah, that's a whole thing. It, it, it Thankfully, it's, you know, now that the movies are over, unless they decide to do that other one. The, the, I've heard that they're now thinking of a remake of the first film. Because well, they're just that bereft of ideas. Well, they were talking around the time when the the fourth movie was coming out. They were talking about rebooting Twilight for tweens. So making them younger. I don't know if that's going to work. <laughs> it's going to piss off. It's going to piss off some people. But isn't that kind of what these fandoms are about? They're there to get pissed off when you don't accept them. I just miss the old days when... Uh, being a geek was just like, hey, I like this. You know, you're a geek. All right, yeah. But now it's now it's this I like it's an identity it's this, thing. I think you almost said the word. It was more an ident. I feel it was more an identity when I didn't make it an identity. Like this was like, hey, I really like this stuff. You know, this is what I I like, and I'm gonna wear a Star Trek shirt or Star Wars shirt. Or now you got you got girls on webcams wearing uh, R2D2 dresses. And uh, and not saying that they're not into Star Wars, but there a lot of times there's just seems like they are playing to the audience. Well, they know that geeks really like this stuff, like like all the um, all the, uh, you know, this ain't Star Trek triple X and this ain't the, like they're they're pandering to that audience. They know that they they want to see like that element of it, you know, so it's like they're playing towards the the audience and they're not really into it. They're just kind of doing it because they know that's what people want to see. But what about the opposite side when like, like with the Twihards, this is a real product I'm about to bring up. I did not invent this. Although if I had, I'd probably be out of my financial situation right now. There is a dildo made out of a special plastic that when you put it in the freezer, it'll get, or if the fridge, it'll get to a certain temperature. So it'll feel like, you are actually masturbating with what's-his-face from the books. I can't even remember. his Robert Pattinson's character. Vampire dildos to sell to Twilight fans. At that point, if you own one of those, you're too far gone, aren't you? Because maybe it, maybe it feels a lot better than, like, a regular one. So it's like, hey, they're not buying it because they're that far into Twilight. They're just buying it no, because... that uh, Twilight's that far into them. That <laughs> <laughs> Probably to me the most disturbing, and you know what? We're all nerds here at Radiodrome. All the 1201 stuff is basically built around nerddom. But I think, I don't want to say I look down on, but I think there's something wrong with fanfic. I don't understand fanfic, especially when you get into the slash fic. Kirk stooping Spock, and you've got Captain Picard having sex with Doctor Who, and you've got all these crossovers and you've got Harry Potter meeting with the Twilight vampires and people writing their own stupid, weird fan fiction. I think that stuff is pathetic. There I said it. Fanfic writers are pathetic. 
I don't know. I don't really care. It doesn't bother me one way or the other because it's like, all right, so people want to write stories about uh, stuff that they're into and, and, you know, maybe take it a little too far. I mean, I wrote Dungeons and Dragons stories when I was younger. You know, it wasn't like technically, I guess it kind of was fan fiction, but not really. So uh, I I don't know. That kind of stuff doesn't bother me either way. That's what people want to do. If that's what they want to write, that's what they want to get off to. Then knock yourselves out would be like like the bronies. I really do not understand these people, especially the fact that most bronies are men, straight men. Well, that's the whole point of the bronies. It's it's bro men who are into My Little Pony. I, I know. I don't get it, is what I'm saying. I, I really don't get this. I just don't. Eh, it, it's, uh, it's something that's primarily aimed towards young girls that somehow ended up being liked by older men. So I don't know. And that's uh, that, not creepy somehow? Never said it wasn't, just said it's, <laughs> it just, you know, it is what it is. I, I, if that's, again, if that's what people want to watch, fine. Shit, I watch Sailor, you know, well, not, not so much anymore. I haven't seen the new one, but I used to watch Sailor Moon and uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch and stuff. So I, I've never wanted to, to say, you know, hey, you can and can't like this. I'm not going to go to a convention uh, oh, dress, no, I, I, dressed not, up like one. Yeah, I'm not saying you can't like it. Please do not misunderstand me that thinking I'm saying like because I don't like something, you're not allowed to. No, I'm saying when you take it to that next, next level and you're dressing up, there are porn videos of people dressed as My Little Pony characters because apparently that's a fetish now. To me, mm-hmm. that I'm saying is you're f***ed up if you're into that. Liking My Little Pony, male or female, there's nothing wrong with that. If you're literally getting off on it, there's something wrong with it. I think that it's uh, another iteration of the it's, it's the, the furries or the plushies. I, I always mix them up. Furries. But it's the, furries are weird, but you know what? You people are weird. Well, there's there's the furries and there's the plushies. And the, the I think the furries are the people who... I, the, I think the furries are the people who dress up as animals and f- and i think the plushies are the people's who the people who dress up as animals and f- stuffed animals okay that yeah <laughs> just yeah just, just just learn something you didn't want to learn yeah that one i thank you for that cecil <laughs> you're very uh, welcome and, and by the way i will get you for that <laughs> arguably one of the stupidest overly selective fandoms hardcore gamers This one I find to be just made up of people who are so insecure about themselves. The people who are, I play Call of Duty. I I play these games on the Xbox. I'm a Halo expert. You play Angry Birds? You're not a gamer. You're a casual gamer. I hate, I'll say it, I hate these people. The hardcore ones that are, you know, oh, if you don't play Call of Duty, then you're not a real gamer. I'm sure you've encountered those people. I'm sure you've been called a not a real gamer before, haven't you, Cecil? Uh, well, eh, not really. I mean, the, the, I think the thing with that whole thing is, to a certain degree, uh, I understand. Because it's like, when you are, like, there is such a thing, at, like, and not including the stigma of the hardcore gamer. Hard, being a, Like, I consider myself to be a hardcore gamer because I play a wide variety of stuff. I am not good at any of them. 
But uh, <laughs> when, when play... Cecil plays a game, it's no longer a first-person shooter; it's a worst-person shooter. Yes, but I mean, I I play. I have certain things that I'm good at. I like a wide variety of stuff, and uh, I think that uh, there definitely is a difference between somebody who will sit down and play uh, an oddball game like uh, Prison Architect, Honey Pop, or, or something, and will just play it for hours on end, versus somebody who plays Angry Birds while they're on the train for five minutes. Like, that is not somebody who is going to go out and get the latest, you know, is not going to get the the Xbox one. They're not going to get the, you know, fallout four. They're not going to get the latest and greatest. Those games aren't aimed at them. And even they would say that they're not gamers. They're just people that do, you know, they'll, they, they'll, you know, they don't even go by casual gamers. They're just like, eh, you know, I, it's something I do to kill the time while I'm sitting on the toilet or something. But, But a lot of these hardcore gamers are the type of people that borderline obsessive compulsive difficulty. Like when Fallout 4 comes out in a, in a week or two, there are people who said, I've already got my work excuse set. I've, I've met a guy. That You're recently, talking to one, dude. Yeah. I've I've called. I've faked sick to play to stay home and play video games. I've Gee, I've said serious. Dude, yes, it's like I, dude. It's a I video a, game, right? Really? Because it's, it's you're gonna play wanna... for forty eight hours straight. I mean, come on. Poop, took... poop socking was invented for these people. If you've ever poop socked, you have a problem. I took a week off when Grand Theft Auto Vice City came out. Have you poop socked? Uh, what's poop socked? When you refuse to leave the game, so you poop in a sock instead because you cannot leave the game. That seems like a lot of work, like poop in a sock. Like, like why? Like, like that, just... that, that term came about from World of Warcraft players. Let's put it this way. There's a reason that later World of Warcraft editions actually lock you out after X amount of hours. So you can't play for three days straight without sleeping or eating because people were doing that. If That's you do that, addiction. you have a problem. But that's but that's not that's that's not lumping hardcore gamers into it. That's somebody who has a legitimate like dependency problem. I I played uh you know I played Anarchy Online. I played Final Fantasy XI. I played World of Warcraft, and I put days into these games. And I'm not talking you know I played for days, but, but, but I'm didn't saying do it days count- a, but you didn't do it days in a cluster. But there were times because I was uh when when. World of Warcraft first came out, I was still uh, living in an apartment. I wasn't living with my, my you know, girlfriend, now wife. So I would come home from work. I'd turn on the computer. I'd boot into you know, uh, World of Warcraft. I'd go, and uh, because my apartment was really small, the kitchen was right by where the computer was. So I'd put my dinner on, and I'd sit down, and I'd start playing. And then uh, I, would, I would eat dinner while I was playing. I would talk to my wife while I was playing, or talk to my girlfriend at the time, you know, while I was playing. And I'd stay up. You know, for X amount of hours, go to sleep three, four in the morning, get up at like seven, eight o'clock the next morning, go to work, come home, repeat. It was it was great. You know, what do you want? You knew when to quit. Hardcore gamers don't quit. Uh, again, you know, I, I mean, I'm not like, going to say hardcore gamers. I'm going to say like people who have who have like problems with uh with addiction and whatnot. Like the guy there, there are people in in uh, in the uh, what do you call them? The cyber cafes where they'll go and they'll just play for days and days and days, and then drop dead. So that is somebody who has an addictive personality, who has an addictive problem. That's not somebody who is a hardcore gamer. That's just somebody who like didn't know when to shut it off. I've gone to PAX like five years in a row now, and I've met so many cool people. 
I've never met this. I mean, yes, are, are there people that have hygiene issues and really need to learn what deodorant is before they go into a public place? Yes. Are there people that maybe take it a little too far? Yes. But the role playing I, game store in Green mm-hmm. Bay actually had to institute a policy two years ago that if you do not use deodorant and shower at least every other day, you're not allowed into the store. <laughs> it's sad that they had to make that a rule to enter the store, isn't it? Yeah, that's pretty bad. But it's it's something that it happens. You know, you you that is one of those things like when they talk about the uh, the smelly nerd who lives in their parents' basement. Well, that is not as prevalent as it is before. Sure as hell was in the 80s and 90s, though. It was in the 80s and 90s, and there still is some smelly people who may may live in their parents' basements. What are you going to do? You know, I, it's it's just funny that uh, that still always comes up. You know, it's like I, I've been to, like I said, I've been to Gen Con. I've been to PAX a bunch of times, and more so at PAX, there are a lot of good-looking people there. Growing up uh, playing video games and playing Dungeons and Dragons and stuff, I didn't see that many good-looking people. <laughs> so now it you is. You telling me Gary Gygax was not good-looking? You know, I don't know what he looked like when he was younger, but I imagine <laughs> probably what he looks like now, which is an old guy with gray hair well, and Well, he's dead eyebrows. now, so he probably looks more like a walker. But okay. Yeah, it's, yeah, he doesn't look so good now, but that stigma should be going away because now, especially considering that. The pre-sales for the tickets for Star Wars have broken records. That's kind of meaning like, okay, this isn't just some somebody who uh, likes this stuff. This is like beyond mainstream. Star Wars fans are kind of outside of everything else when it comes to the different fandoms. That's both good and bad, in all honesty. Mm-hmm. But like, like with the Star Wars thing, let's wrap this back into movies like us. We are hardcore movie fans, right? Like people like you and I and Peter, if you were here, we've seen movies that your average person can't even conceive that they exist. I mean, Cecil, we've both seen gay niggers from outer space. Most people Sir, are most most people are going to go. That's not a real movie. It like, is a yes, real movie. It is. And it's actually it's not a uh, porn. It's not a porn. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, it's close to what is it like 80 minutes long? I remember it's a little it's, over an hour, yeah. Okay, well, I remember it, or maybe it's just that it's it felt longer. It was not very good, no. It like when when I found out, it, see, the the average person would hear a title like that and have no interest in it. People like us, we, we hear went, a title I like that. I have to see this now. I had to see that movie immediately. <laughs> exactly. There's a reason that films are called cult films because they get a devoted fan base. Now that can be both good and bad. Because when you get a devoted fan base, you tend to not allow other ideas in. For instance, no matter what you think of the Guardians of the Galaxy movie, whether you loved it or whether you hate it, this was ridiculous. The writer for, I think it was the Washington Post, and she happened to be female, so of course this went into the misogyny thing. She gave Guardians of the Galaxy a good review, but she picked apart certain things she didn't like. She was mercilessly attacked for not finding this movie to be perfect by people who loved it that much. Look at Brad Jones was attacked for not liking Dark Knight Rises. He even had people making up excuses over why maybe, you know, he hadn't slept properly. They they wanted him to like it so bad they could not accept that someone else didn't like this. 
that's the dark side of cult movie fandom, though, isn't it? Yeah, they, they couldn't comprehend that somebody just didn't like it. It's it's so ridiculous. that I remember that because I was talking to him about that. Look, man, he didn't like the movie. Like, just, just deal. deal. Like, they couldn't... They couldn't fathom that somebody who they liked disliked something that they liked. Like, we, he, there's a ton of movies that I like. I love Eli Roth movies, and he doesn't like Eli Roth movies at all. He always, you know, bad, well, I don't know about always, but he in general will be like, oh, God, you know, it is Eli Roth movie. And that's fine. Like, that's his opinion. He like, oh, I'm s- still friends with him. It doesn't like change anything with, with you. We disagree on shit all the time. On You're wrong. <laughs> exactly. On most things. But we, you know, uh, we kind of have moved beyond that. It's not that big of a deal. Just be like, OK, well, I like it. And you don't. So I, I, what? I, I'll, I'll give you I'll give you shit sometimes about certain things that I feel like deserve it. But for the most part, if you like if 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 I liked the Dark Knight three, whatever the hell it was, uh, and you didn't or whatever, I'd be like, eh, whatever, you know. But I mean, like, I thought it was overrated as well. I thought it was too. I thought it was too goddamn long. I thought it I'd, was a god awful film, but I hated the Dark Knight as well. Well, I thought Batman Begins was fantastic. I thought the Dark Knight had great performances, but it was about twenty minutes too long. It and also they had could, a terrible script. They could have completely removed um, the sad cartoon turtle. Maggie Gyllenhaal, and uh, they wouldn't have changed the movie at all. My, my biggest problem with the Dark Knight fandom, because the Dark Knight was called the best comic book movie ever made. And Wrong. I got, I got so much crap for picking apart legitimate plot holes in that movie, and people were like, can't you just have fun? It's like, no, you called this the greatest thing ever. And yet, I, without even trying, I can point out how the movie manipulates you and how stupid the script is. And you make excuses for it. That shows that there's a problem not as much with the movie as a problem with you. Mm-hmm. And and that's the same thing that happened with the Guardians of the Galaxy thing. I, I don't know if this would have been worse or better if, if it had been a male reviewer for the Washington – like I said, I can't remember if it was the Washington Post or what exact paper it was. The fact that she was called not human and incapable of happiness if she did not find this to be a perfect film. I'm not talking <laughs> I'm not talking one or two people. They actually crashed their website with negative comments because she didn't remember, she liked the movie. She just didn't find it perfect. At that point, you have to look at yourself and go, you know what? You really are the fucking problem, aren't you? Yeah, that's when it goes a little too far because it, it's just simply you you can like something, but like and even even criticize somebody, be like, hey, uh, you you maybe pointed out something wrong or uh, like there was a um, there was a, a review I read recently where somebody was reviewing the wrong thing. People were calling them out on it. And it was like, you didn't watch this, did you? Cecil, and the person- you and I back when I was part of Geek Juice. You and I, did you ever see all the negative comments we got for defending Blair Witch 2? Well, of course. uh... We were told how wrong we were. No, you two are wrong. This movie is the worst of all time. It's like, well, what? Well, of course, you know, uh, there there were people on the Internet that said it was the worst thing ever. They're more popular than we are. So, of course, they're right. We're wrong. I mean, we should just see that already and just agree with them. Sarcasm. I I like the way Diamanda Hagen put it. When we were talking, Brad was still on the show at this point, when we were talking about the ending of Battlestar Galactica, the TV series, 
a former co-host here, and I think it was Brad, said it wasn't that bad. The Amanda Hagen summed it up perfectly. Josh, leave them alone. They have a right to be wrong. Last season of Battlestar Galactica really was ass. I don't know how anyone can defend that. Starbuck as an angel? Just shut the fuck up. <laughs> Nobody seems to defend the last season of Dexter. I think everybody. Oh my god, he is a a lumberjack. <laughs> what the what the hell was that? The last season of Dexter was really really terrible. It was. The, you know what? I actually think the last season of Roseanne had more dignity than the last season of Dexter. The one fandom I don't feel even remotely guilty saying is you all you people are stupid for being fans are Juggalos. Juggalos to me are the joke of fandom. Juggalos are morons through and through. I mean, literally, the Juggalos are such sheep that they drink Fago, not because they like Fago, but because ICP told them they like Fago. There's something inherently wrong with that. That's borderline, borderline on cultish behavior, isn't it? I mean, there's a reason, Cecil, that the Juggalos are considered a gang by the FBI. What other fandom is actually considered a gang? I have I have a lot of, well, I don't know about a lot, but I know I have some fans that are Juggalos, and they're very nice to me, so I'm not going to say anything bad about them. I've you made, pussy! No, I've made Juggalo jokes on various shows, and or on various episodes, and I've gotten a couple people that are like, you know, uh, you know, we're not really all that bad, and, all, and I'm like, I'm like, I'm just around like i'm just making a joke like i'm not i'm not saying like seriously that you're i mean you are i'm not <laughs> i i'm not saying that they're they're uh the scum of the earth or anything like i I'm think that's the scum of the earth i'm saying they're pathetic there's a well, I know, well i'm just saying okay i'm not saying that they're pathetic i'm just saying that they're really into something and you know what honestly there are a lot of people uh there are a lot of stink things that juggalos have done well, like they put on some nice like uh, community things and uh, I, I personally just don't understand it, but I never was into the uh, ICP. So whatever. Uh, that's something that I, I don't know. Actually, Juggalos don't bother me. Uh, bronies bother me more than the Juggalos do. The Juggalos are they're doing their freaking thing. And I've seen some really good looking girls running around topless with clown makeup on. So I, I had a very confused erection. Well, when you see a a, a, a good-looking girl and, and it's like, oh, look at that. And then you're like, you see, and she turns around and she's got clown makeup on. It's like, I don't really know how to process this. No, fandom in general, whether it is comic book fandom, movie fandom, Doctor Who, Juggalos, whatever. Do you think that fandom is inclusive or exclusive? What I've noticed is it's more of an exclusive thing. It's more of a my club and we don't want outsiders because like you brought up earlier in the show, the whole, you know, like the like the webcam girls that dress up as Wonder Woman, not because they care about Wonder Woman, but because it's popular. They consider everybody kind of that because I've noticed whenever you try to get into a new thing, there are more people going, oh, my God, fucking noob than there are. You know what? I will help walk. I will help clear this up and I'll bring you into the community. It seems to be the communities are more exclusive than they are inclusive. I don't know. You know, I mean, I've I've seen I've seen both sides. I've seen some people that are like snobbish about it. But I think that's more just a personality thing. I think that uh, I've seen a lot of times like we have a um, 
there's a local pen and paper like game store uh, near here, and they're always playing whatever game, and they're they're super cool. Like if you go in and you're like, I don't, you know, what am I looking for? And they're, oh, you know, you want to? Well, here I'll explain this to you. Or do you want to play a couple of rounds? Or if somebody comes in, they're like really like a lot of the people that are just there playing the games and hanging out, not necessarily working at the store, are really cool in general. So. It's kind of a community thing. You're getting, you're going to get a little bit of everything. You're going to get some people that are going to be snobbish and stuck up and mine, this is my thing and you can't, you know, and then you're going to get other people that they want more people to get into their hobby because this can only benefit them. You know, if, if more people like what I like, well, then that means that we're going to get more of whatever it is. I've always seen myself, despite how I've come across in this episode, someone who tries to help others. Like, I, I, you know, I'm a big VHS collector, so I get a lot of people asking me how they get into that, and I'll, I'll, you know, talk to them and explain it to them. But then I saw somebody on one of the VHS boards online. You know, they had a collection of fairly common titles and whatnot, and they were like, you know, I, I've got these for sale and whatnot. And there was a snotty comment over one of from one of the longtime people that was like, oh my god, these are all commons. Get a real collection, noob. And it's like, you know what? Those kind of people are going to f- make you go, well, why do I even want to be part of your community then? Yeah, exactly. There are the people that drive people away, and uh, but again, those are something that you're going to run into with anything. You're always going to run into the snobs that think that this is their thing that they discovered. To a certain point, you kind of, I I can agree and I can disagree. Like, I I don't think that um, you should turn people away, but also you should look at the people who are trying to get into something and, and, you know, bring them into the fold, so to speak. Well, when it comes to like fandoms of TV shows and things like that, like I brought up Doctor Who and all that, what about when a TV show or a movie franchise, they try to change things up and the new fans, despite quality, won't accept it? Like the X-Files. After Mulder left the X-Files, people just would not accept Doggett and Reyes. And in all honesty, the Doggett and Reyes seasons are just as good as the Mulder and Scully seasons. They're just different. So to me, the way I always looked at it is the, the Doggett and Reyes stuff, the biggest roadblock they had was being called the X-Files. If they had been a spinoff and not the, if they had canceled the X-Files and then Doggett and Reyes got their own show, I honestly think that would have worked with fans a lot better. So sometimes do you think it's the fans themselves who don't want change while at the same time bitching about how nothing ever changes? Fans fear change, but they don't want to admit it. Like on The Walking Dead, there's this long-standing thing. If you kill Daryl, we quit the show. So then by that point, is it not the fans? Because AMC is outright said after that letter writing campaign, they've told Kirkman, you can't kill Daryl because then the show is essentially canceled because we lose all of our viewers. Does Isn't that then the fans making the show for good or bad instead of the, the producers making the show? Should the fans be dictating what happens to a character? I mean, look at soap operas. How many characters have been brought back from the dead on soap operas because the fans demanded it? Should the fans have that much power? Yes and no. Like, I think, here's the thing. I think fans should absolutely use their right to be like, hey, we really like this. We really like this character. We want this to go on. We want this show to stay on the air or whatever. But on the same token, the studio is entirely within their rights to listen to them 
and then decide whether or not they want to listen to them. Okay, you know what? We've taken into consideration what you've said, but we've decided to ignore you. Or we've decided, okay, yes, you're right. We're not going to do this or we are going to do this or whatever. So I think that's kind of the thing. They they have the right to say it and the studio has the right to either listen or to ignore it. On a philosophical level, shouldn't the studio be in control or a lot of people would say no if you're making this for the fans then the fans get to control it but then doesn't it literally become fan service like the whole thing with daryl on the walking dead isn't he at this point i mean look at how many ridiculous sharp shark junk shark jumping moments they've had to have in the show to put him in danger and not kill him because of that whole we can't kill him thing isn't that the very definition of fan service at that point He's a popular character, and um, they want to, you know, they they like they like being able to keep the the show going. I don't know. I think I think you're a dork, but fair enough. But you have your fans, so what can I say? I have fifty one thousand of them. No, that's how many followers you. Ha- that's how many subs you have on YouTube. That's okay. I think I, all right. In that case, I have maybe one or two that actually like me. There you go. <laughs> I was I was gonna say subs are not fans. There's a difference. The bulk of this audience listens because of how much they hate me. Remember, remember that scene in Private Parts when they're talking about how the average Howard Stern listener listens for like three and a half hours and the average Howard Stern hater listens for four and a half hours? That's where the popularity of this show comes from. It's yes. well, well, more, well, more of it is people who hate me and want to see what stupid thing I say next than people who actually like me. And I'm well, fine that, with that. That's the thing. You get a lot of people who don't like you and I'm very likable, so they like me. And uh, although the, and then you occasionally you get the people who say that I like everything here, I am shrieking like a harpy again. There you go. Yes, you're shrieking like a harpy. That was that was one of the best compliments I ever got, although I'm, I guarantee it wasn't meant as such. Cecil, if people want if, if your couple of fans want to see you, where would they do so? If you are one of the two people that like to listen to me, you can find me. Actually, you probably already know where to find me. But in case you don't know, uh, you can find me over at escapistmagazine.com, at goodbadflicks.com, uh, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. And uh, and if you if you like me, then maybe go listen and maybe I'll have three fans. I like you, Cecil. Okay, I have four fans. <laughs> You can find me at 1201beyond.com. You can contact the show at 1201beyond at gmail.com. And if you have issue with anything I say, that's not a problem. Email me at 1201beyond at gmail.com. Let me know why you think I'm wrong. You, you also have the right to be wrong.
the happy home with trees and flowers and chirping birds and basket weavers and spinners and violets fiddles and fountains and toes and honey to take away!
Radio Drome is a 1201 Beyond production. Visit 1201beyond.com for more great shows.